Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 317 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, and I'm here with my co-host, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of the Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher series. How are you, Al? I am, you know what, I'm dancing in the rain. Can we all just take a moment to appreciate that image in our minds, set it firmly, Al, rain, dancing. And even Mm. though my hair is frizzy, I'm happy. (laughs) Yes, much needed rain in Mm. Australia at the moment. So, Mm. yeah, it is. it has been torrential just before this recording, but it's eased off a bit, so hopefully you don't hear it in the background. Um, But, yes. (laughs) Um, what else has been happening apart from Dancing in the Rain? Well, Dancing in the Rain's taken up a fair bit of my week. But um, <laughs> no, uh, what else has been happening? Okay, so I've got a couple of things that have been happening. It's It's yes. been actually quite a big week. Um, mm. So I'm working on the copy edit still. So, we, you know, like yes. the pain of that is still with me. Um, mm. Oh, I had this situation the other day where, you know, editors ask those questions that you – kind of hope they're not going to ask like it's that whole thing of like mm. you write the stuff and you and it's all going beautifully and there's one niggly little thing that you're thinking mm, I wonder if that's clear enough um but sure it'll be fine you know we've got mm. 65,000 words here surely it's mm. fine and then of course your editor goes through it and there's this one question there like how how does this happen yeah and the how does this happen question requires about five and a half days of thought and mm-hmm. reassessing and it's 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 going to end up like this whole thing that I've been you know cogitating over for days is going to be three sentences like probably oh. maybe four four sentences in the whole thing um but it's just that niggly little it's a niggly yes. little question of logic and the niggly little questions of logic can just be so difficult um and I think I've worked it out like I think I've solved the issue I uh, just have to work out how to say it in like three or four sentences now but um my, so my thing here is my point and I do have one is that <laughs> if there is some <laughs> there is some niggly little thing in your manuscript that you think is going to be fine, the chances are that it is not going to be fine. So you mm. need to actually think about how you're going to solve that little problem. Um, and it's probably something that's not – and this is something I have to say, this is not central to the main plot on any level. Mm. Like it has to be there, like mm. it has to be there, but it's not central to the main plot. Um, so it's that thing of like when you're writing it, you're just like blah, 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 and then there's always <laughs> – always going to be an editor who goes yeah but why Mm. why why does that happen how does that happen in this particular world how does that happen and you kind of go so that's what I've been doing five days of cogitating on that but also can can you tell us can you tell us yet the actual name of the manuscript and when it's going to be out I can. Excitingly, I can. Mm-hmm. I can do that. So the book is called The Firestar, um, A Maven and Reeve Mystery. That is the subtitle. So The Firestar, cool. A Maven and Reeve Mystery by A.L. Tate. Um, and it will be out with Penguin Random House Australia on the 1st of September 2020. So yay! yay! Cue the cheering and the parade, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that is what I am currently copy editing, which is very exciting. And I, I am very much looking forward to 
you know, just seeing this book out there, it's one of those things I, it has two main characters. It has a male main character and a female. It's a two-hander. It's told in two voices, two points of view all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, um, it's, it brings together a whole lot of things that I'm passionate about in kids' books. So, you know, it's got the action and the adventure and the almost history that are very much part of, you know, the AL Tate, you know, brand of of uh, series, et cetera. Um, mm. And this one also has a very central mystery. So it's a um, it's a detective, you know, mystery solving kind of a of a thing from start to finish. Cool. So big plot, lots and lots of thought. Uh, big plot. Um, so it's yeah, it's very exciting. So all of those sort of quir- all of that stuff, and it kind of draws on my own quirky interests and current preoccupations and past obsessions and the funny mm. way that books always do. Like things come into these books that I haven't thought about for twenty five years, and that there they are. So um, yeah, it's a yeah, it's I'm I'm really proud of it, and I'm hoping that yes. it, um, I'm hoping that everyone will love it as much as I do. Um, and it's a little bit older. This one, the it's. Title. Yeah, it's um, it's actually uh, for so so most of my series have been very firmly in the sort of um, middle grade, so yes. you know nine to thirteen, uh, ten to twelve sort of bracket. This one is slightly older, so this is eleven to fifteen. So it's not oh. YA, but it's it's a it's an older um, they they call it you know upper middle grade or lower mm. YA. So it's it's that it's suitable for readers. Um, you know, as young as ten or eleven, uh, but it's it's got enough complexity involved in it that I think that um, you know slightly older teens will like it as well. So yeah, this is it's so exciting, exciting. and it we're going to see we're going to follow you along the path to publication when it comes you out in are. September. You are, and you get to share with the joys of me cogitating for five days on four yes. sentences. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so exciting. Writing books is so exciting. Remember, do you remember years ago? I'm sure it was years ago now because I've lost <laughs> track of how many years we've been doing this podcast. Yes. But um, do you remember years ago there was there were the two guys and they were going to do a YouTube series on mm. the writing of a book, like it was going to be filmed. They were going to film themselves writing a book. Oh, and you, vaguely, I remember yes. you, I remember you telling me about it, and me just going, "I cannot think of anything <laughs> more boring than that." And you were like, "What?" Because you were quite excited, of course, because you are always quite excited. You were quite excited about it, and I was just like. Are you for real, like watching someone sit there and type and then think and then walk around the block and then come back and then, you know, like I could not um, because the actual reality is that while there is an enormous amount of stuff going on in your head, from the outside, writing a book just looks so placid. Like just, you know. Yes. Well, who knows? Maybe other people write more vigorously than you, Al. I write very vigorously. (laughs) I type very fast and very loud, just like you do. But, like, the reality – actually, I should film myself one day just doing – I'm sure I pull weird faces sometimes. And I know that, you know, if I'm writing an action scene or something, sometimes I'll be like, I'm, you know, like I'm – moving around and you know is this going to work and I, you know I'm doing all that yeah but like for the most part I'm sitting here just like bashing away at my keyboard anyway that's <laughs> all beside the point so that's that's happening and that's very mm. exciting copy editing and stuff but the other thing that I have been doing is I've been putting together an event Valerie oh yes an event. yes tell and it's a so you want to be a writer event, but yes. it is a solo AL Tate event of so you want to be a writer because unfortunately my co-host Valerie Koo, um, you might have met her. She um, 
she she was busy on this particular day. In fact, she's so busy she doesn't have time to scratch herself, let's face it. Um, so I'm doing a two-hour seminar uh, and I'm doing it as a fundraiser for the Shoalhaven Readers and Writers Festival, which, as you know, I have yes. been directing the children's program there for a couple of years. This is my third year. And this year the festival will be on the 24th and 25th of July. So save those dates. Put them in your diary. It's going to be very exciting. I'm looking forward to sharing the program with everyone. But in mm. the meantime, yes, I'm in the doing meantime. a I'm doing a two-hour uh, seminar fundraising event um, in Nowra on the 7th of March. Mm-hmm. That's and Saturday. It, That's a Saturday, Saturday the 7th of March. Saturday, uh, 10.30 to 12.30. And it is, yes, so you can travel if you want to to come and see me. I would love to yes. see you. Um, and it is um, all proceeds are going to the Shoalhaven Readers and Writers Festival. So it's a yep. it's a clear, you know, like all fundraising to them. And it's, um, it's basically going to be a So You Want to Be a Writer event, you know, do you want to be a writer but you don't know where to start or you don't know how to get published or you don't know what to do mm. next, then, you know, join me because I'm going to talk you through um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, is in our book, the sorts of things like my journey, all of my advice. You can mm. ask as many questions that you as you want at the end, mm. um, how to decide what kind of writer you want to be, how to pitch an article. Like this is very much like a hands-on thing. You know I like to be useful. I'm going to be useful, I promise. Um, but I've also invited um, a couple of local authors to, and writers to come and join me. Um, Walkley award-winning journalist and non-fiction author Mark Whitaker is going going to come and join me and talk about freelance writing, writing nonfiction. He also does some ghost writing, so we're going to have a conversation about that. Cool. And also the lovely Pamela Cook is going to join me as well. Um, and you might remember that we uh, interviewed her a couple of episodes back. So we're going to talk about, uh, she's going to talk about getting published, you know, uh, traditionally writing the book, et cetera, but also her adventures with indie publishing. Um, and she's a little bit further down the line from that than she was when I last spoke to her. Um, and of course, you can also ask questions there. So if, uh, if that sounds like something that you would love to be part of, and I mean, let's face it, people, mm-hmm. what's not? Oh, and there will be scones. Oh, my God. Scones with tea. I love scones. That's like my favourite thing. Come for the tea and the scones, if nothing else. Who's going to make the scones? Oh, we've got, oh my God, we have the most amazing catering person on our oh. on our committee. She used to, okay. now here's a selling point, yes. she used to work in the Women's Weekly Test Kitchens. <gasps> she oh is seriously good at scones. Okay. I'm telling you. Come for the scones, people. Um, Anyway, so 7th of March, all the details, I'm going to put them, you can find them on my blog is probably the easiest way, alisontate.com. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you to have a look at that. There'll be, uh, there's a link to buy tickets. Um, It's on the 7th of March, which is a Saturday. So, you know, you can all come and um, I would love to see you there. And what a great lineup. I think it sounds absolutely fantastic. And we're so thrilled to be supporting this as a fundraiser for the Shoalhaven yeah. Readers and Writers Festival because it's such a wonderful organisation that brings these authors and these great talent um, the to the area. Yeah, so right. that, I mean, not that you even have to be from the region, you can always go to the no, region. No, that's right. Exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, that's that's awesome. So know, everyone, check it out. We'll also put the link to the event in the show notes, of course. Yes, um, and you can check it out there. Wow, that's just brilliant. Yes, okay. very very fun. Whew. I am. All right. Well, um, so what else have you got for us, Valerie? What are we going to talk about? You know what? I'm a bit exhausted. <laughs> are you? Yes, I need to. Ha- I feel like I need to have one of those days where I watch. I 
lie on the sofa, stay horizontal for about 10 episodes on Netflix or something. I think, you know, I actually really think that you do as well. Like just Mm. between you and me, I honestly feel as though that would be very good medicine for you right now because you have been ridiculously busy, remain ridiculously busy. It's been nuts. So uh, regular listeners will know that I have been curating the City of Sydney's Sydney Lunar Festival, which was a 16-day festival, and there were over 100 events and there were so many things that um, we had to participate in. We, uh, I was part of an open-air art installation, um, sorry, open-air art exhibition where there were 12 art installations lining Circular Quay and mine was one of them, which was a five meter sculpture of a rooster Mm, and and very um, impressive it was too thank you we should put a a photo in the show notes oh okay yeah we'll put a photo in the show notes look at it it's amazing (laughs) of course the show notes are over at so you want to be a writer.com.au so it was certainly a really interesting exercise to design and conceptualize the rooster and then see it come into reality but in addition to all that I had to curate um, the other artists but also performances from over 500 people from lots of different performance groups from um, k-pop to break dancing to traditional performances to Korean drumming to um, Vietnamese dancing it was it was full-on and then do some artists talks and um, dragon boat racing I had to like um, do the eye dotting ceremony for dragon boat racing where you dot Ooh. the eyes to wake up the dragon so that they can race How along exciting. Darling Harbour. That was really fun and colourful. But um, uh, needless to say, I need some Netflix and a lie down. Yeah, you do. You really actually do need some Netflix and a lie down. Yes. But we want to give a big... I sanction this. I give you permission. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We want to give a big shout out to Luke DR91. That's Mm -hmm. Luke DR91, who said, thanks to these two ladies, I finished my book. And Luke (laughs) left us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And Luke said, I really owe it to this podcast for providing the inspiration I needed to get me through writing the first and second drafts of my novel. Whenever I started second-guessing my abilities or feeling like nothing was working, I'd pop on an episode of this podcast and tune in for some truly great discussions. Hearing about other authors' writing process in each episode is wonderful too. Thanks to Al and Val, I've got my manuscript to a place where I feel proud of it and confident enough to take it to the next level by seeking professional feedback. But if listening to this podcast has taught me one thing, it's that we're all just on our own journey chasing our dreams and the only thing stopping us from getting there is that little voice in our heads. So thank you, ladies, for being an alternative voice in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I always wanted to be a voice in someone's head. That's amazing. And I'm I'm really happy that what you took out of our podcast was finish the damn book and you did it. I'm so excited by that. Well done, Luke. Yes, well done. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to leave us to, for leaving us a review, Luke. And if any other listeners have 30 seconds to re- uh, leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or uh, any other podcast app, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. Now, you have an interesting link for us, Al. I do. 
I do. Yes, of course. That's me. I do. (laughs) Where was I? I, well, you know, we talk about writer's block sometimes and we talk about different ways to bed and when we have all of these conversations. Well, there was a link on writersdigest.com, which, um, you know, we like, um, and it was called 10 Scientifically Proven Ways to Beat Mm. Writer's Block. So this is scientifically proven. This is backed by science. (laughs) So it must be true, right? So... All of those things that we talk about regularly, things like repetitive action, go weed your garden, wash your dishes, do that kind of stuff while you're, you know, if you're having, if you're struggling with an idea or whatever, um, repetitive action relaxes is number one on ways to beat, you know, scientifically Mm. ways to beat writers. Did I just say scientifically proven ways to beat writers block? That's what I tried to say. Yeah. Um, So uh, a study out of the University of Oregon demonstrated that rote activity allows the mind to wander, making it easier to tap into our creativity. Mm, So there you go. Someone has gone to all the trouble of creating a study to Mm. prove what we knew, Val. What we already knew. (laughs) Just ask us. Just ask us. We're all over it. And then the second one was, you know, get those endorphins pumping at a loss Mm. for words, working out on the treadmill, going for a bike ride or running outside are easy ways to generate creativity. Now, have I not been discussing for many years the great joy and usefulness of walking around the block? Yeah. Can Procrastipop not actually, you know, Mm. back me on this poor skinny Procrastipop? He can. (laughs) He's very slim at the moment because I've been doing a lot of cogitating, so he's been doing a lot of walking. Um, so, yeah, so researchers demonstrated that aerobic exercise allows the growth of new cells in the hippocampus, the part of the brain that grows new cells that aid memory, idea generation, and imagining new situations. So there you are. Oh, yeah, and there's cool. one there for you too, Valerie. Yes, which one? Number six. Oh, yeah, number six. Water, water washes, your, washes blocks your blocks away. away. So true. Um, you, some of my best ideas come when I am in the shower and I, I absolutely swear by it. If you're stuck on anything, go take a shower. Go dance the in thing, the rain. I wonder if that or, works or, or, as well. Or, well I don't know. Um, the shower is a cracker and the other thing that works for me is driving in the car. Oh, c- countless ideas in the car. What doesn't work for me, which is on this list, is number three, which is music. Uh, because if I put music on, I invariably put music calls on and I invariably, you know, pretend I'm Elsa and mm-hmm. perform it. So Elsa, Frozen. Well, yeah, Elsa or whoever. <gasps> I, or I pretend Valerie. I'm Hamilton or I can pretend we get, I'm Can we get YouTube Eponine. YouTube video of footage of you doing Elsa because I honestly feel like that would be, I reckon there'd be 8 million views in that for sure. I need to get the wig. (laughs) And the high notes. (laughs) Yeah, so that doesn't work for me to release writer's block because I get really into the character. Mm. <laughs> well, I think I think the I think the message from that then is to try different things yes. and see what works for you because it you know so here's the thing too so normally I would not necessarily be a shower you know writer's blockerer um, mm. I mean sometimes it depends but uh, just recently I was I was um, you know working through an idea that I had for a new thing and I had to come up it was it was a weird thing because I had to come up with a solution before I came up with a plot 
Um, And I was in the shower and this genius solution came to me. Like I got this amazing idea um, Mm. and then – then I had to go. <laughs> the worst part about it was that then I had to get out of the shower and then I had to spend, you know, two weeks walking around the block while I worked out what the story was that went with the solution. Oh, you should mm. have just stayed in the shower. Oh, uh, no. I, I, it, it, it only works to a degree with me, the shower. Okay. Well, mm. I like number eight, which is engage in new experiences. Try a new restaurant, take a vacation or staycation or see a new movie to slow down your brain and interrupt patterns that keep you stuck. And that is just like my idea of taking yourself out on a creative date every week. It is. Yes. It is so just like that. That's yes. a very important one as well and I encourage people to do that. So you go by yourself on a creative date. Mm. Mm. All right, so we will put a link to that particular article in the show notes. Um, uh, But let's move on to our competition this week. We have three copies of Platform 7 by Louise Doughty, uh, who we have interviewed on the podcast in episode 123. Um, A powerful new thriller from the best-selling author of Apple Tree Yard, Platform 7 at 4 a.m. Peterborough Railway Station is deserted. The man crossing the covered walkway is confident he's alone. What that man doesn't realise is that he has company. Lisa Evans knows what he has decided. She knows that he is what he is about to do as she tries and fails to stop him walking to the platform edge. Two fatalities in 18 months, surely they're connected. No one is more desperate to understand what connects them than Lisa Evans herself. After all, she was the first of the two to die. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, our competition uh, closes on the 17th of February. Go to writerscentre.com.au slash win and follow the instructions in order to win one of three copies that we have going. So that's writerscentre.com.au slash win. And if you visit that URL in the future, don't worry, there'll be other some other fantastic uh, prize for you to win. All right, Al, slight <clears throat> change this week. Right. Change. Uh, oh, know, well, Val. are we up I for a I don't know whether you're ready for a change because. After 317 yeah. episodes, am I ready for change? I don't I know. I might save the change for another week. Do you remember week. you there asked you me, was it last week or the week before? You said, what was I planning on changing this year? And I was like, nothing because I, you know. <laughs> so I thought I'd change it for you. Have you decided no, to change it for I, me? Okay. I have decided actually to hold it off and keep you in suspense. So instead, oh. are you ready for the word of the week? <laughs> You can't do that. I can. I just did. Dangle it out there like a carrot. I just did. Are you ready for the word of the week? No, I'm not because you promised me a change and now you're giving me the same thing. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So this is a cracker. Okay. It is absquatula. I can't even pronounce it. Can you you please not do that? Isn't it absquatulate? Absquatulate. Absquatulate. That's A B S. Q-U-A-T-U-L-A-T-E, absquatulate. Do you know what absquatulate means? I think you need to make a news resolution not to have words of the week that you can't pronounce, okay? (laughs) I can pronounce them. I even practiced them before the um, recording, but something goes out the window. Absquatulate, okay. Absquatulate, okay. No, I have no idea what absquatulating is. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a way to congratulate someone who's done squats to improve their abs. Absquatulate. (laughs) 
Don't do squats to improve your abs. I know. know. Seriously, you are drawing a long bow here, but all right, keep going. But it's not. It actually means to leave abruptly or depart suddenly. So you might say the financial controller tried to absquatulate with the funds he embezzled from the company. Right. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I, I do that at parties. I often have had oh, enough yeah. and just go home. Like I, I am an absquatulator. I wonder, did Prince Harry and Meghan Markle count as absquatulators? Yes, they're absquatulators. There you go. Yes. I like it, to absquatulate. Yep, let's do it. Megan and let's Harry absquatulators. Yes. Hashtag absquatulate. Hashtag, Hashtag abs- Megan and Harry. Yeah, that is so true. All right, let us move on to our writer in residence this week. We're talking to Kirsten Alexander and um, her latest book is called Riptides. Kirsten has worked in the world of words for many years, writing articles, reviewing, and also editing and copywriting. This is her second novel. The first was Half Moon Lake. And let's have a listen to Kirsten. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kirsten. Hi, Valerie. It's nice to talk to you. Congratulations on your book, Riptides. For those listeners who haven't yet got their hands on a copy, can you tell us what it's about? Sure. Um, It's a novel set in Brisbane, mostly in 1974. It opens with a car crash, and I won't give away too many spoilers, Mm. but there are two people in the car, a brother and a sister, both in their mid-20s, and they inadvertently force another car off the road and kill the pregnant driver. That's in the first few pages, so so far Mm. so um, not spoilery. Um, And then after that, they have to deal with the ramifications of their actions, which they try to keep secret. Um, and as we all know, keeping secrets mm. is um, is fraught. They don't stay secret for long and they eat at you and maybe you should never have kept them secret in the first place. <laughs> so that's the kind of moral territory. Um, and it's set in the mid-70s, which were really um, interesting time in Australia, especially in Queensland. There were several natural disasters. There was a very radical federal government in place. There was a lot of cultural change going on. And uh, that's the, the kind of, the, the not just the backdrop, but the, the life of the characters. So you live in Melbourne and you mm-hmm. were certainly not around the age of 25 in 1974. Why Brisbane and why 1974 in particular? Well, I, what, I know that you've mentioned that it was a time of, you know, great change in Australia, but what drew you to want to set a novel there? Um, the, the Brisbane part is because I spent my childhood there. I was actually born in San Francisco and I live in Melbourne now and I've, I've lived in, uh, London as well and, and a couple of other places, but, but my formative childhood years right up till the end of uni was spent in Brisbane and it's a place I have a lot of fondness for and it also drives me nuts <laughs> like any other place in Australia and for that alone the fact I know it really well and it's kind of quirky and uh, a lot went on there in slightly different ways than happened elsewhere in Australia so the location fascinates me I know it and the era because um, I guess because this I, I the 70s were 
unusual. And I think there were a lot of things that happened in the 60s and 70s that actually we should probably revisit. For example, it was a time of great environmentalism. Um, there were a lot of people interested in the Australian bush and um, Australia as an identity, uh, water conservation. Uh, there were a lot of um, naturalists on TV, which seems really weird now, bush people. And then in the 80s, we kind of deep dived into capitalism and forgot all of the things we'd learned in those earlier decades. And I look at what's going on now in our country and think, I wonder if we hadn't have gone off the rails, where we'd be now. Um, so in my head, I'm kind of connecting the 70s with now, which is, is probably a big leap, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and what did you do to get into the vibe and the spirit and the, um, the, 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 the environment and the mindset of the 70s? Um, well, the internet can be a terrible place, as we all know, <laughs> but it's also um, a treasure trove of old ABC news footage. Mm. Um, so I looked at a lot of that. Um, I was able to access old magazines and old newspapers. I watched some old 70s films. The late part of the 1970s especially was a heyday for Australian cinema. Yes. So even though my book's set in 1974, there were a lot of incredible films in the 70s. Picnic at Hanging Rock was one, and um, there were a whole bunch. But, they, but that's a period piece, though. That's that, you know what I mean? Like that's Sorry? Set, that's a period piece, Picnic at Hanging Rock. It is, sorry, sorry, that was a bad example. Um, <laughs> well, in fact, films set in the actual 70s didn't always say great things about Australia, but they were enlightening. Barry yeah. was one example of a hyper unrealistic Australian um, character, but mm. there was just just a lot, a lot that I could dive into to see what people were wearing, what they were mm. eating, what kind of slang they used, and mm. I listened to a lot of music. Yes, yes, of course. Mm. Now, how did the idea for this book form? What was was there a light bulb moment, or did it form over time in terms of the actual premise and plot? Um, I, there was no light bulb moment. It'd be good <laughs> if I had a story like that, but I don't. <laughs> uh, I think it was a combination of wanting to write about Brisbane mm. and thinking the 70s was an interesting time and remembering that there was a big flood then in Brisbane. Yeah. In 74, there was a massive flood, which I, I, don't, I don't think they've ever had one as big since. Um, and thinking about the weather and change and family because mm. the business of keeping secrets and families and who do you trust is fascinating to me. Mm. And this is your um, uh, second novel because your first one was Half Moon Lake. Mm -hmm. When did you know you wanted to write novels? Um, I'm, I'm not sure I did. It was more a question of life allowing me the space to try something new I, I had no desire at all through my 20s and 30s to, to try anything like this. Really? And worked hard and raised little kids and it simply wasn't an option. Mm. And to be honest, when my youngest son um, developed a chronic illness, I found myself at home a lot 
And the idea just kind of filtered into my brain that I might try working on a project that I could do from home since I wasn't able to work in an office at that point. Mm. So circumstances, I guess. Yeah, that's great. I mean, um, can you give us just, so people have some context, um, can you give us just a really quick potted history of your career up until that point so they just know what you did before? Oof. Um, (laughs) This will be very boring. I've only ever worked with words. I've worked as a um, sub-editor and a copywriter and a freelance writer for various magazines in London and in Melbourne. I uh, worked as a non-fiction book editor in Melbourne for about uh, 10 years, a while ago. I worked as the full-time copywriter for a skincare company in-house for four years. There's only so much you can say about moisturizer. Yeah, yeah. Had to end, even though it was very nice people I worked with. Mm-hmm. I've done some freelance work on radio, just book reviews and other bits and pieces. Um, and I worked as a content manager on three different websites. Some websites mm. don't last that long. I mm. made a digital magazine for Care Australia, three issues of that, just one a year. And I, uh, before my son became ill, I started a short story website that is currently on hold that's not boring at all <laughs> it's all words no like it's not i've been a painter on the riviera or something uh-huh. <laughs> i think that um okay so you've you've mainly worked with words and through that time it never occurred to you that to write a novel i'm not sure if it's the case with other people who work as editors or copywriters but the last thing in the world i wanted to do when i got <laughs> home was right Wow. I actually had, I, and again, it, this, maybe um, everyone's path in life is different. Mm-hmm. This was just my experience that that was my work. That was my yeah. paid work. And when I got home, I definitely didn't want to do it. I needed to not be in paid work with words in order for me to think about being creative with them. Yeah, right. Okay, so when this idea, can you give us an idea of the gestation of this book? Like when you started thinking, oh, I want to do something about, you know, secrets and family and Brisbane in the 70s and to to actually putting your fingers to the keyboard to the end of your first draft, you know, how long that took? Years, years. Really? And I don't believe I have any advice to give other writers. I really <laughs> don't, except for... Um, Except I'll be their cheering squad if ever they need anyone to talk them through issues of failure or resilience Mm. or persistence because those are the only things I know about. Um, This book took years, not years to write, but years to come to light of day. I started it maybe 2012, I think. Started it, did a draft, stopped, gave up on it, life got in the way, um, did another draft mucked around a little bit, just thinking, oh, this is going nowhere. It doesn't feel right. I haven't got a, a spine to the story. And then when I did manage to pitch it to publishers, it was met with wholehearted rejection because <laughs> the publishers very kindly said, Brisbane in the 1970s is not laughable. <laughs> it's just not interesting. No one cares. It's <laughs> not the French Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What a mistake I've made investing years of my life telling this story. Um, so I said this before and it's getting a bit stalky of me, so I have to stop, but I think I owe Trent Dalton um, a big thanks 
I've never met Trent Dalton, but his book was set in Brisbane and made people realise it was kind of there could be a popular interest in Mm. stories set in that particular city. Um, There have been loads of, and there still are, loads of amazing writers from Brisbane. Mm. But um, uh, up until his book came along, I think it was a bit like setting a story in Adelaide. It, It didn't really... (laughs) <laughs> it didn't really necessarily find a big audience. So uh, when the lovely publisher at Penguin Random House read Half Moon Lake, which I'd written having completely given up on this book ever finding a publisher, mm. she read Half Moon Lake, said she wanted to buy it and asked if I had anything else. Mm. I showed her this and said, look, I, I won't expect you to like it. Nobody else has. <laughs> she said, oh, I'll take that for sure. Which surprised me because I hadn't changed a word. Yeah, right. Okay, so so when you were writing, I understand that obviously it took years, and obviously it um, you must have done it in fragments. Mm -hmm. Um, Or was there a period that was you know a more intense period where you decide I'm going to spend the next month and lock myself away and finish and and write a whole heap or something like that, or did you write it in bits? a, a bit of both, but you're quite right. There was a period of time where I thought I'm going to knuckle down and read this from start to finish and try and make it the very best I can. Mm. And um, I would sit at my desk for hours on end or go to our local library, which I love very much, um, especially because I've never asked them what their internet password is and never will. <laughs> so when I'm in the library, I can't access <laughs> anything I have no choice but to write or read Mm. but there was a period when I did that and it might have been three three months three months where I sat with it every single day and it's quite discomforting because every day I would sit with it and question that very activity why am I sitting with this I'm not sure it's any good these characters don't make sense I should just be looking for work instead Um, so it was an uncomfortable activity that I'm sure lots of your listeners will understand mm. moments of just losing all faith and thinking, well, I may as well just get to the finish line. I'm this far through. Right. So is that what kept you going, just I may as well get to the finish line? Because yeah. three months is a yeah, long time to, to sit there and wonder whether you're doing the right um, thing. And, and longer after that because even um, – when an editor does, and it's gold to have an editor give you feedback, and when an editor mm. does give feedback, then I then I questioned myself all over again, thinking, look at all these things he's found that I should have found myself. Mm. <laughs> so it's a it's it's a it's a difficult thing to do to sit by oneself mm. with words that are invented that no one's asked you to write that no one may ever publish, mm. and just stick at it. Mm-hmm. So what was your goal during that three months on a daily basis? Were you Was it actually written in you were trying to make it better or were you trying to reach a word count? Oh, um, I, I am in awe of people who watch their daily word count. I don't. I find mm. that very intimidating. Uh, so I'm sure there is some, again, I don't count, but there are days when I know I write very little and days when I think, gee, that seems like an awful lot of pages. Mm. So I didn't watch the word count. I just knew that I had to get from page one to the part that was the very ending of the story, and I just chipped away at it. It was a very worker-like approach that I took to it, unpaid worker-like approach. 
And so when you were actually writing the first draft, did you already know what was going to happen? Did you plot it out or did you just see what happened as it came out of your fingers? Um, I did the latter. I wasn't exactly sure where the story was going. I knew there was a car crash and family and where it was set. But at the moment, I've started on another book and I have plotted it out to within an inch of its life. So, Oh, really? Completely opposite. I've done the opposite and I I don't know if that's just because I, I did make quite a hash of the first one. It really did take a long time and if I had been more methodical it might have been quicker or maybe this more recent story just lends itself to me plotting it out I'm not sure right and so with with this one with Riptides where you didn't plot it out Mm. did you enjoy the unfolding so to speak or was that painful Depended on the day. I've written it. It's written in two characters' voices, not exactly Mm. alternating chapters, but some are told by the brother and some by the sister. And uh, they have different natures and different voices and do different things in the story. So there were times where it felt just easy, for example, to write the brother's bit where he's surfing in Bali. I thought, Mm. I've never done that, but that feels like a really easy day's work. (laughs) And other times where I thought, no, I need to actually stop and think about how they'd be feeling about this terrible thing they've done. And then it was quite unpleasant. Mm. And so what was the most challenging thing about writing this book and what was the most rewarding thing and and please don't say you know getting to the end (laughs) (laughs) um I think that the most challenging thing is being an unpublished writer with no contract Mm. and no expressions of interest and still sitting down at the desk every day and thinking I'll just go a little bit further I'll just write some more and see where this takes me because I don't think I'm the world's most confident person and it 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 really is an act of great confidence so that's Mm. that poorly with me to just keep going um and the reward is um knowing in a strange way that it frees me to do it again writing a third Mm. now I don't have a contract for this book. I haven't discussed it with a publisher and it may go nowhere, but I think I've done this before. I I know I can I can do this. Mm. However badly, I can do this. <laughs> and so it sounds like uh, you were writing them, this one and uh, and the previous one, Half Moon Lake, at the same time? Oh, no. Or, no? No, I, I, I shelved... Riptides. Okay. I, I thought uh, the publishers, like I said, had been kind but very clear. They weren't interested. So I thought, well, I just have to listen to what I'm hearing and put that on a shelf to gather dust and try again. Um, and at that point I was home a lot because of my son and knew I, I wasn't in a position to take a full-time job. So I thought, well, I'll try again, try better. Mm-hmm. And since the feedback was, you know, Brisbane in the 70s was not the most exciting, play, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was their feedback, did you think, <laughs> oh, well, I'll take this premise and I'll set it in 
the French Riviera or wherever, you know what I mean? Just change the setting. <laughs> no, by um, no, I really did honestly just give up on that story. And by happenstance, mm. I heard a podcast on NPR that told the story of um, the missing boy Bobby Dunbar in Louisiana in the 1910s. Mm. And it was the nonfiction account, the factual account. Mm. And it veered off into territory that didn't, uh, that's not what I'm interested in. But the the kernel of that story set me off on the second book. So it was quite by happenstance. Wow. And um, so now when you're, you're writing on, you're writing this next, uh, the third one, mm-hmm. what kind of writing routine do you have? Do you um, have set days or, or set goals or, or anything like that? Yeah, what's your writing process and routine? Uh, currently there's none. And I'm looking forward to there being one again. Riptides was released yesterday. And so my lovely publicist at Penguin Random House has me speaking to a lot of people like you and um, writing articles and and doing, uh, letting people know the book exists basically and talking about it. So for this month, I haven't, I won't be doing any writing at all. It's frustrating, but it's. But when you will, what's a typical routine? Then uh, I make sure there's at least three days that are untouched. I'm hoping to keep this. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I like to go to our local library and um, turn my phone to silent unless my family desperately needs me. (laughs) I sit in the library with no internet, surrounded by books and um, other people who are working, Mm. and I stay for as long as I can bear it. And the library doesn't open until 10. Typically, how long is that? Um, it could be, it could be up until two or so in the afternoon, three okay. sometimes. It doesn't open until 10. So I know a lot of people get up at the crack of dawn and start work right away. I don't do that. Mm. But from 10 till, I don't know, three, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is not always productive, but I've forced myself to just sit and see what happens. Mm. And, and um, how long do you think this will take you if you if you commit to your three days in the library? Um, I think this one's going to take me a wee bit longer because I I'm going to have to do uh, more thinking and more research than I than I had initially thought. But I love doing that, so it's it's not a bad thing. So I would hope halfway through next year to be done and dusted, but. Uh, um, don't hold me to it. <laughs> is this one set in the past? No, this one's set right now, but one of oh. the characters has a backstory that's set at Greenham Common. I'm not sure if that is a place you've heard of. No. No? Greenham Common, um, and I won't say too much, but this is a real-life place in the UK uh, where um, there was a women's peace camp that lasted for 19 years, and it's an incredibly amazing bunch of work. I swear to God, if men had have done this, we would all learn about it at school. There was an American military base that a lot of local women objected to on the grounds that it was quite dangerous and shouldn't have been in the English countryside. And they surrounded the perimeter and camped there in very rough and cold conditions. Some of them brought their kids with them and they shut it down and it took them 19 years. Wow. Yeah, so I'm reading a lot about that, and that is one of the characters' backstories, but it's not the main spine of the book. But I'm looking forward to doing more reading and research. That's fun. I like that. 
And when you do your research, do you do it in that library that you go sit in or do you do other things? I um, I read in bed at night um, and I read in the library and I listen to as much as I possibly can on my headphones when I walk my dogs because it can be really boring walking the same streets. <laughs> so I, um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. That is uh, their gold. So when you listen to audiobooks, actually, do you listen to the genre in which you are writing or do you specifically try and listen to other kinds? Um, in this instance, as, as soon as I can, I'll be listening to a lot of nonfiction. Yes. And a lot of... Um, and, and I also would like this time, to, because I want to set the story in Yorkshire and I'm not from there, so I need to listen to people's voices. So I might see if I can find a local radio station or something. Mm-hmm. What do you think, What this book, as you've said, is about, well, it's about many things, but one of the themes is secrets. And what was it in your life or in your brain or, or the story that entered your consciousness that made you interested in secrets? I have to tread lightly here because not every story is mine to tell, but um, mm-hmm. maybe none of them are mine to tell, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents come from the United States. My father is from Los Angeles, an area called Watts that is known now, I think, as being a fairly dangerous area. When he grew up, it was quite a um, Hispanic and African-American area, even though he's white. Um, So he speaks fluent Spanish and grew up quite working class. He married my mother, who is quite middle class, and they left the country with two young children, no work prospects and no money um, when we were very young, Mm. and they won't discuss it. So I have heard various reasons about why they might have chosen to come to Australia. Everyone here speaks English. Most people speak English. Um, My mother insisted on that because she does not speak Spanish. Um, But I guess my own family has some unanswered questions. So I've always been keenly aware that not everything is always on the surface. Wow. Are you – do you explore that? Um, I think my parents, they're still alive mm-hmm. and I need to be very careful about, yes. <laughs> like I said, telling their stories, but it certainly sits in my head. I think about it. I have collected as much information as I can at some point. I'd like to put it on paper when it's, when it's yes. okay so. Oh my goodness. That mm. is going to be absolutely a fascinating journey <laughs> well, for <see>. you and a <laughs> fascinating story. Not sure. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's going to be a fascinating story when if you document your, your journey. Okay. <laughs> There's a whole other... Whole other book and everything. Waiting to come out. Okay. (laughs) So um, now that you have um, moved into the world of writing novels, are -hmm. you also doing the other work with words that you were doing in the past? Um, Not right now, but at some point I will, yes. Partly because I enjoy it and Mm -hmm. um, freelance work can be really satisfying if you have the right clients to work for. I'd love to get my short story side up, but uh, there's just a few glitches with that. But I still love the idea of having an online short story site. And um, so many writers have trusted me with beautiful material that I'd love to make public. 
Great. And so you were planning on basically combining your career as a novelist with your career as a freelance writer? I'd like to. And I, yeah. again, I'm sure all of your listeners understand what a tricky juggle it is. Unless you're a billionaire, uh, yes, I'm going to have to tap into other sources of income for sure. Sure. And yeah. finally, what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who hope to be in a position where you are one day? Oh, first of all, you don't want to be in my position. There are much better, there are many other better positions than this one. Um, but three, I, I don't have I'm any I'm sure people advice. would disagree, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I, the advice, again, is more on the emotional range of things rather than the practical range of things, which would be to to persist mm. even when you might doubt yourself just persist get to the finish line because you can't pitch an unfinished object so get to the finish line persist um try to look after yourself and 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 not let doubters or negative comments get under your skin they're very unhelpful and you don't need them um, and the third one would be to not think about your age, not oh, think about okay. your age, whether you're too young or too old or whatever. I think often um, maybe things are changing, I'm not sure, but I've got two grown kids, so uh, I thought for a while, I'm too old to do this, like I should have done this when I was in my 20s, but mm. like I said, my 20s didn't allow that. But you're not too young and you're not too old. If you've got a story you want to tell, then then please tell it because I'm a reader and I'd like to hear it. Mm. Wonderful. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today and best of luck with Riptides. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. There you go, Kirsten Alexander. So we're now at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? I'm copy editing. Oh, yes. And it's cogitating be and walking around the block. Next week it's got to be finished. So walking around the block, working through that. Um, planning, well, I've got to get my, you know, all my things together for the event on the 7th mm. of March. It actually takes a lot of work to pull something like that together. So yes. I'm doing that and uh, just the usual stuff. I, you know, I've got parent teacher nights to go to and, you know, information nights and mm. book boy is going into year 11 this year. So we, you know, we're hitting the pointy end of things and, wow. and book boy junior is in year eight and has informed me right from the start that he doesn't really feel like year eight is actually, you know, counts much in the scheme of things. So I shouldn't expect too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He can't really see the point in putting too much effort in this year because, yeah, you know, right. year eight, you know, like, so we've had to have a bit of a conversation about the importance of consistency and the importance yeah, of, yeah. you know, yeah. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Sounds like straightforward fun. about these things. So he goes, I don't know, Mum. Like, there's no NAPLAN. There's no big exams. No one really cares. Like, what's the point? <laughs> and okay. part of me, part of me can't help but agree with him. So <laughs> it's, you know, that's the trouble with being a parent. Like, you, you have to put on your grown-up face even while inside you're still 13 going, well, yeah, do it. Yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I put true. my grown-up face on and discussed consistency of effort, building good habits. I did all mm. of the right things the whole time thinking, yes, I completely see your point. That's interesting because a friend of mine does not put her grown-up face on with her year nine or whatever um, mm. uh, kid and she she it was like, yeah, you're right, you are smarter than those people, just wag. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> My jaw's on the table. But anyway, I guess everyone's got different attitudes. Um, all right. So uh, that sounds like fun. And where do we find you online, Al? You will find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Valerie, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. And, of course, you'll find all of the show notes at SoYouWantToBeAWriter.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want To Be A Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.